You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to We Are Libertarians Daily. I guess I don't really have a name for this yet. Uh, we're just doing a little experimenting. I think anybody who listens to this show knows that I love to experiment. Um, I'll try anything once, except beer. Uh, but so we, over the last month, I specifically have been in tr- testing out doing a daily show. And the feedback that I got from it was really, really good. I got a lot of great compliments, and I got a lot, which I love. And I got a lot of uh, good feedback. And, you know, when we do these audience surveys, which you can take at wearelibertarians.com slash support at the bottom of the page there, uh, I, I like to survey the audience and see what people think and what they want and what they like and don't like. Uh, and the, the nicest thing that you people say is, we want more. We want more. We want more. And so I tried to do more, and it almost killed me. I tried to do uh, seven shows a week, and I failed miserably at it. Uh, but still, I'm annoyed with some of you because you're like, ah, it's been so inconsistent the last month. It's like, really? I, I was doing 30, I did 30 shows in a month. And uh, anyways, that's no, not, neither here nor there. Um, but Harry, about a year ago, had the idea of doing Wall Daily and say, you know, hey, we've got all these extra co-hosts. And they all have things that they want to say. And it would be cool if we could do like a 20-minute little show every single day in between the episodes for people to listen to and give the the people on the network. I'm very blessed that a lot of people participate in this. It's not just me. It is a lot of different co-hosts. About 30 people at this point have, have come and gone through We Are Libertarians over the years. And a lot of smart people who have a lot to say. And at the time when Harry mentioned it a year, year and a half ago, we just didn't have the um, infrastructure in place. And I I didn't feel that we had the right mix of co-hosts to pull off um, that level of commitment. But we really do now. And so what I want to start doing, and I want to test out for a while and see if it works, see if you like it, see if uh, the co-hosts like it, see if I like it, and um, if it's good content. And we'll keep doing it. Uh, And so what we're going to do is... um, as near a daily show as we possibly can, it is difficult to do an ensemble thing. It's it's hard to get people wrangled, but we're going to do our best. And so every day here in the feed, we're going to do what we did over the Chris Spangle show, which is cover something in the news that day, talk about it for 20, 30 minutes. And uh, it's not going to be me every day, although I will do some monologues or I will do some conversations like this. Um, it will be some other co-hosts. It will be... You know, maybe some guest hosts. Uh, I've talked to our friends over at the Lions of Liberty, the Lava Flow, and the Johnny Rocket Launchpad, and said, "Hey, you know, you guys don't do a lot of current events. So if you want to do a, a current events podcast, if you got something that's grinding your gears, then please, by all means." So uh, every day you're going to get a little bit of extra weird libertarians here in your feed. And today I am joined by one of the people who co who guest hosted last week while I was gone, Sarah Brady Wagner. Sarah, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me. Now you did an excellent job. I listened to it today, and I listened to 317 with our friend Brian Nichols and Dakota Davis, and uh, you did you did a phenomenal job. I was really really impressed, and I'm not just saying that because we're on the air. I didn't get a chance to say this off the air, but. Uh, 
I didn't know what I would find, but you did a spectacular job. And if anybody didn't listen to those because I wasn't on it, then shame on you. You should go back and listen to those two episodes because I think you and Susan had a really um, – I when a co-founder of the Radical Caucus like Susan is talking about Me Too, I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about it. <laughs> but there wasn't anything that the, th- that the two of you said that I found terribly disagreeable. I mean, it was very well thought out, very well prepared, and you did an excellent job with that. Well, I, I like having Susan there. I think she, uh, we always joke that she's the um, state chair in my uh, state party and I'm the political director. We provide good balance to each other. She's she's my radical friend. I'm her pragmatic friend. Right. Uh, but I thought that gives helps to give, you know, a rounded perspective because I'd like to have somebody there that's not necessarily going to be 100% on board with everything. But, you know, it's it's good to have conversation. So uh, Sarah is somebody that I met at the national convention, and I was really impressed with her. She does a show here on the a network. Uh, it's called Fundamental Freedoms. It's a video series that we post on Sunday nights at 8 p.m. She's done a great job at that. She also hosts her own podcast. What is your podcast name, and where can people find Speaking it? Speaking of Liberty. Okay. Speaking of Liberty, um, they can find it on iTunes, Google Play, pretty much wherever you find podcasts. So we've been, uh, since I was gone, I've been talking to the co-host crew, the research team, and everybody involved, and just saying, man, I just, I can't, I can't do a daily show. Uh, I'm going to kill myself doing it. I don't feel that I have, I, I don't have it in the tank, because when you're trying to research a show, you know, you're constantly pouring things in your head, and then when you're doing a daily show, you're like poking holes in the bottom, as opposed to just kind of filling up your bucket and then pouring it out in, in a show, so... Uh, and Sarah was the one who said, you're trying to do too much on your own. Like, why don't you start asking people to do some stuff? She's very bossy, and I like that. I need, I need a Sarah in my life to go, hey, dum-dum. Uh, so I, I felt it was only fitting to have Sarah on uh, for, for this first episode. And she was like, hey, I've got something that's really ticking me off today. Why, why, are, why are X, Y, and Z? And I said, hey, let's start tonight. Let's go. You and me. Let's meet up and uh, and do the podcast. We're also recording the video, so you can check out the video on our YouTube channel. If all goes well, everybody's going to record on Zoom. We'll grab video of that, and we'll post it on the YouTube channel, so go and subscribe there. Now, Sarah, do you want to tell the listeners, and let's get started with our conversation, what was, what was ticking you off today? What was grinding your gears that you were like, you know what, I, I need a podcast about this? Oh, the, the entire... The Cole Kavanaugh situation, which seems to have like dominated our entire news cycle and conversation for over a week now, um, it has gone so far off the rails of like actually discussing uh, an individual and whether or not he's fit for Supreme Court. It's it, that it's <laughs> I don't know. It's just gone so far off the rails that you can't even identify it as being about Kavanaugh anymore. It's it's just completely moved into men and women viewing it differently and having discussions about like patterns and what's okay and how we feel about it. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. But what about the person we're actually confirming for the Supreme Court? Yeah, we're arguing over, I'm arguing against women's, uh, women's personal trauma, which I don't want to do. And men are, are in turn, you know, women are arguing against men's fears of being falsely accused, which I've been through and it's not fun. Um, you know, it's, it, there, there's a lot of feelings right now, but not a lot of facts. And it's one of those situations that we find here on the program a lot that once you dig into the actual details, 
everything starts to make sense, and then you start to realize everybody's arguing the wrong thing. They're just arguing their own feelings, and they're arguing their own biases, but they're not actually actually arguing any facts, and it's very frustrating. And it, this one is particularly awful because it's dealing with people's personal trauma, both men and women. You know, I, I will, you know, as, as you said, you said something in the podcast that I found that was really interesting, that men and women go through sexual assault at the same rates, which is not something that I knew, and I'm surprised by that. Um, yeah, so one of the one of the studies that shows that the strongest is really interesting in its methodology because there's two different things they have to consider. There's when you ask people, have you ever been sexually assaulted, which involves what they understand that to mean. And then there's when you ask people about specific actions and behaviors. So when you ask people like, have you ever been um, grabbed without your consent? Uh, have you ever had someone um, entice you to drink too much or give you a drug in order to get you to have sex with them? Um, we find that men and women are actually sexually assaulted at about the same rates. Uh, and very concerningly, about 50% of guys admit to um, having done some form of sexual assault at some point. Uh, which to me just says like we have a there is room for a cultural conversation that needs to be had because clearly we have very different ideas about what is and is not acceptable and what is and is not assault but it's really distracted from um, the topic of Kavanaugh's confirmation by making it into that big conversation yeah we've turned it political which everything that politics touches dies and what's getting lost is whether or not Kavanaugh should be a Supreme Court justice. And right. you were like, "Why are we not? Why are we not talking about that? Why are we still talking about this stuff?" I mean, you were you. I mean, what is your general sense on Kavanaugh? Oh, my general sense on Kavanaugh is there are lots of reasons to oppose him, regardless of whether or not he uh, is guilty of sexual assault. Um, and it's it's made me very sad to see a lot of my my very hardcore libertarian friends. Uh, decide that they would rather hate on the left than um, love on the Constitution. Yeah, but the left is really hateable right now. <laughs> like they're uh, I, not 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 for nothing. But I I'm here in a swing state right now. Um, you know, Joe Donnelly is a moderate Democrat, and Joe Donnelly is somebody that I would have said is going to win by six to ten points because Indiana, even though we're a red state is you know we voted for obama twice uh yeah i think twice no at least 2008 but you know it, it can go either way and so joe donnelly we like to send squishy moderate democrats to the senate but i have to be honest after the last two to three weeks after the last month especially I don't think there's any way that Joe Donnelly wins because so many of my Republican friends, my libertarian friends are even saying I'm not going to vote for Lucy Brenton. I'm going to vote for Mike Braun because I don't want these lunatics to be in charge. I think I think that they think that they're winning this and they might not get Kavanaugh confirmed, but I think that it could end up really hurting the left because they've gone so far overboard on this, though. Well, I would agree, but I think uh, also the right has kind of pinned themselves into a corner. At least, you know, the Republicans have by, you know, they've they've cornered themselves into this position where when even Fox News will admit that like, oh, OK, well, it, the the report seemed credible. Maybe it's possible that they both think they're telling the truth, but they've backed themselves into this position where they have to 
um, try and discredit the woman in the situation and try to defend Kavanaugh, even if it is requiring people to like give up other things that they care about. Right. So what are some other reasons that you are not a fan of Kavanaugh? Oh, he he was a main author of the Patriot Act. Yeah. That's always a fun one. No, he was, uh, he, I was think one my of, he was one of the architects. I think he worked for John Ashcroft and he is one of the guys who was an architect of the Patriot Act and his his Fourth Amendment record is horrific. Uh, in Clayman versus Obama, I mean, he basically said that the bulk collecting of the uh, NSA data is consistent with the Fourth Amendment, and so I think that for me is is the the biggest black eye of Kavanaugh, and so I go like you go, why are libertarians so hardcore defending this guy when he really we t- to me I could care less if he's on the Supreme Court or not. It's it's it makes no difference for me one way or the other. Well, I, beyond his objectionability on the Fourth Amendment, there's also some questionability um, on the First Amendment. So he ruled in a particular case that had to do with the government being able to compel uh, what's considered commercial speech. The specific case involved um, meat packers who were being required to list a country of origin. And the test that uh, is usually used for whether or not the government can compel commercial speech is whether or not the government has a prevailing interest in it for um, justifiable means or public um, safety. And in this case, it was pretty clear that it wouldn't fall under that um, historic test. And Kavanaugh came to the rescue with a new interpretation that said um, that the government had a historic interest in advancing the use of American-made goods and American um, was, uh, American products. And that gave them uh, the right to compel the speech. Hmm. Yeah, I hadn't heard that one. That's that's not good. <laughs> he's he's very um he's a very good legal mind. Like that I'm I'm absolutely not arguing at all. I just don't necessarily agree with the way that he likes to put his legal mind to work, if that makes sense. No, for certain. Um, he he tries to justify the growth of government in certain areas and tries to find those carve outs. And in other areas, he's he's good in terms of like trying to limit the alphabet soup, uh, and he he's he's just he's the to me he's a lot like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Like we know who Ruth Bader Ginsburg is, you know we know who yeah. Sonia Sotomayor is. We know who Brett Kavanaugh is. He's a conservative justice who's going to vote along traditional conservative lines, a la Mike Pence. Yes, and we know that he is in favor of um, deferring to government powers in a lot of cases. Um, it's actually been speculated that the reason that he was the pick as opposed to some of the other shortlist nominees is because uh, he is in favor of um, saying that a sitting president can't be indicted, hmm. which, I mean, we can we can see how that could appeal to um, more authoritarian rulers or um, more authoritarian presidents. Just say it, Donald Trump. <laughs> Yeah, be tactful. No, you don't have to be tactful here. This is trust me. If we were if we were worried about tactful, then 2016 wouldn't have happened. Uh, That's true. We are libertarians. (laughs) Um. Okay. So so what are some other reasons that you found that you're just like why are we why are libertarians defending this guy? So the more that we've gotten down, what one of the things that I find really interesting about the way that this whole like national conversation has like 
shifted and morphed from being about a situation about actually confirming Kavanaugh to about how do we handle sexual assault and what kind of behaviors are okay. That one of the steps in this morphing um, seems to have been when people abandoned the question of what are the facts that we're working on. Because when we're dealing with this investigation, uh, it's important now that we're going to get some more information from the FBI, whatever that happens to be in the end. But right now we have just the he said, she said of the hearing. And since they both were under oath, you're in a situation of either somebody perjured themselves or, um, no, just somebody, somebody has to be lying in that situation. There's, if one person is telling the truth, um, but the things that bother me are, there were little things that, seem like unnecessary lies because one of the defenses that uh, I'm hearing a lot is, oh, well, it was just, you know, poor mistakes and bad behavior that were done by teenage boys. Yeah. Okay. Well, so you're just giving license to 16 year old boys right now to rape 16 year old girls. Like I've, I've from the beginning that has just hit my, that has triggered me. I mean, that just is one of the most immoral arguments I've ever heard, and from people who consider themselves to be morally superior because they're conservatives and Christians, it's like, what what, in what world is that an acceptable defense that, well, it's okay, you can just attempt to, you can attempt to rape, I accept that he did it, but he just attempted to rape someone, and boys will be boys. It's like, no, that's not an excuse. That's not an argument. Well, there is a there is a slightly more I kind of maybe say virtuous uh, twist to that that I've heard, which is the well he did that, but he is clearly not that same person now. And then you can list all of his you know he makes sure at least half of his clerks are female. He's you know he got most of the women who've worked with him, you know, are willing to very much sign on to say that he's he's great. He's certainly doesn't treat women any differently, and if he does, you know, he tries to empower them. Um, there's a really great narrative that could be written there between, well, yes, he used to be this way. He used to drink too much and make bad choices, but he has realized the error of his ways. He's grown up. There's been, you know, 35 years between now and then. But I, what I think is uh, important about both of those kind of narratives is that that's not what Kavanaugh said. When he was under oath, he said, I maybe drank some, but I never drank to excess. I never drank to the point where I would have forgotten anything. Um, I never drank to the point where I would have, you know, not been in control of my choices or my behavior. That was what he was trying to put forward. So that then comes directly into conflict with like his college friends and roommates that have come out in various forms, not necessarily um, interviewed by the FBI, but um, there's been several dozens of um, friends who either have said, well, he did drink more than that, or I partied with him. And it's just kind of become this thing where, okay, well, we all seem to have a hard time believing that, but nobody is having as big of an issue about the fact that that means that he perjured himself over a really stupid little thing. If we don't have that big of a problem with people having made bad choices as teenagers, why lie about it? Well, I think because it's hard to it's hard to say for certain like you don't have a blood alcohol content measurement from Brett Kavanaugh in 1984. You know, so it's one of those things where it's it, you know, the memories of his fellow drinking buddies at the time I have no doubt that this guy par- partied. I think that if you listen to anybody talk about the culture of these places, if you listen to people talk about the culture of Yale, for instance, 
where all you could of, listen to Brett Kavanaugh's speeches that he gave at Yale about his party. Yeah, I mean, it, I have no doubt that there is definitely. Um, it, it, it is hard to believe, but when you're talking about setting a standard for did he perjure himself, what are the criteria of blackout drunk? What are the criteria of do we take his friends and family? Like, the, the legal standard of perjury there is kind of hard to identify. You know, when you've got Clinton saying, I did not have sex with that woman, and then, you know, he had sex with that woman, like, that's a very clear delineation, but this is not as clear. So that's a harder thing. You know, whereas, like, the the Kavanaugh accuser, Blasey Ford, there's a couple things that she's said that, like, people from her past have said she's not claustrophobic. Her ex-boyfriend, for instance, said she's not claustrophobic. She's She um, taught people how to do, uh, how, how to break uh, polygraph tests, you know, and she said she, in her testimony, says, I never, I never coached anybody how to defeat a polygraph test. But her, her boyfriend said, I personally witnessed her do that like that's a very clear delineation now the friend that she was coaching came out and said i don't i i was never coached by her on anything this guy's lying but his was a sworn statement under oath and that's the confusing thing about all of this on either side yeah they're sworn somebody has to be lying right Uh, not only the the two of them in the testimony but all of the sworn statements from all of their friends supporting each one on of their character on each side are you know it's like if you take the case of the ex-boyfriend, it's like, okay, well, Mark Judge says that Brett Kavanaugh didn't do it, so why should we believe the polygraph friend? And there's as much evidence that the boyfriend's telling the truth about Ford as there is Ford is telling the truth about Kavanaugh. Like, this is the worst possible way for any of this to play out. And it's gone, oh, absolutely. And it's gone so well, uh, uh, it's gone so uh, according to plan that we now have a turf war between men and women where you feel pulled into a side and you have to side with your gender. And it's just like, it's almost like, okay, this is maybe what they wanted. And they've just used these two as kind of the stand-ins. And they've designed this thing just to turn into what it's become, which is just this this shit show where we're never going to be able to know the truth. And we're all super divided and very motivated to go vote. And that is the, the core principle in all this. Absolutely. It's, it's used as a motivation system. Right. I mean, are there other reasons that you're just not a fan of Brett Kavanaugh? Um, I mean, he also has a history of perjury, which is kind of why I'm not as charitable. Um, that was actually included in his uh, original hearings that he, again, it was a, oh, well, like kind of mildly lied um, in the, uh, I believe it was the confirmation hearings of uh, both his own hearings and one of another judge. Um, but there are issues that... You know, I guess he came clean and they kind of cleaned it up and the Senate didn't think of it as that big of an issue. But personally, honesty is definitely one of the top qualities that I would like in a Supreme Court justice. Um, So those little things cause big concern for me, especially when on top of that, you add a huge amount of deference to big government. Yeah, I I have not from the beginning understood why Republicans are so hell-bent on winning this fight when they've got somebody like a Coney Barrett waiting in the wings. I don't, yeah. I don't, Is your bench really that shallow? Yeah, exactly. There's several other great people, and Kavanaugh was kind of like the lamest of the picks, I thought. And But it, it is. It's just this mentality where we if, we if we lose, and there are some precedents here. I think, I think somebody like Lindsey Graham, who historically has voted for you know Barack Obama's picks, you know, the, I don't think any of that happens again. I don't see Republicans, you know, th- there's so many different precedents that are being completely eradicated through this process that 
I don't know that that stuff ever comes back. And uh, it, it seemed to survive Clarence Thomas, but it's just a different time, a different era. And so some of that stuff is is not, not great. But um, I don't know. I guess I feel uh, – we'll talk more about this tomorrow night on the big show. But I, I feel for a lot of the people who are watching this and they don't have the political awareness that you and I may have, and the, it's it, they're reliving their trauma. And they're just – seeing their Facebook friends be aggressive males, exercising their own guilt, possibly, based on the 50% that might have committed sexual assault. Um, and they're, you know, I just, I feel bad for, um, I don't know, it's just it's just a terrible situation for, for everybody involved, and it's just like, I don't even want to pay attention to it anymore. Like, I'm just, like, but I have to. Uh, I yeah. don't know, it sucks. But I'm with you. I don't know why libertarians are defending this guy. I don't know why the Republicans are defending this guy it's kind of at this point, you know, if if he makes it through, which is going to be hard to do, you've got other people. Like, what's the point? Yeah, it's is is this really a hill that the Republicans are willing to die on? Right. Because it seems like it is, unfortunately. All right. Sarah Brady Wagner, how can people follow you if they want? Um, you can follow me on Facebook, uh, Sarah Brady Wagner. You can also um, check me out on YouTube at the We Are Libertarians channel on the uh Fundamental Freedoms videos, which come out every Sunday at 8, and on uh, Speaking of Liberty, a podcast wherever you find podcasts. All right. Thanks so much. You'll be hearing a lot more from Sarah. Make sure you go back and listen to 318. She did an excellent job breaking all this down. Uh, We wanted to have libertarian females actually talk about some of this stuff. Novel idea. Uh, And they did a great job. We do exist. I know. It's amazing. I... And we we've we're recruiting more. I'm trying. I'm hoping you're not the token. You're not the only token on the Wall Network. Well, I do know others, so you just gotta like let us bring each other in. All right, let the ladies attract the ladies. That's what I've been doing wrong. Just just like you know a lot of guys, I know a lot of girls. What? even within the ideology. All right. So we'll have more. All right. Well, let's let's wrap this up. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we want your feedback. We want to hear what you want to say. Uh, as I said on the Chris Spangle Show, if you like the extra content, hit the Patreon, support us on Patreon, share it on your Facebook on, and Twitter and say, hey, my favorite podcast is now doing more. Go and check this out. It's, you know, the biggest complaint that we get is the length of the shows. These are going to be 20 minutes, perfect for your drive time. Perfect for you to share with friends and family. Uh, and so share it there. And then also send us emails at editor at weirdlibertarians.com and uh, hit us up and let us know that uh, you're into it. Or in the Facebook group at weirdlibertarians.com. You can access it there. All right. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you tomorrow. <laughs>